Section 15 of The Shaving of Shagpat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle. The Shaving of Shagpat by George Meredith. Chapter 11. And this is the story of Norna bin Norka, the genie Karatz, and the Princess of Old. Part 1 know that when i was a babe i lay on my mother's bosom in the wilderness and it was the bosom of death surely i slept and smiled and dreamed the infant's dream and knew not the coldness of the thing i touched so were we even as two dead creatures lying there life was in me and i awoke with hunger at the time of feeding and turned to my mother and put up my little mouth to her for nourishment and sucked her but nothing came i cried and commenced chiding her and after a while it was decreed that certain horsemen of a troop passing through the wilderness beheld me and seeing my distress and the helpless being i was their hearts were stirred and they were mindful of what the poet says concerning succor given to the poor helpless and innocent of this world and took me up and mixed for me camel's milk and water from the bag and comforted me and bore me with them after they had paid funeral rites to the body of my mother now the rosebud showeth if the rose-tree be of the wilds or of the garden and the chief of that troop seeing me born to the uses of gentleness carried me in his arms with him to his wife and persuaded her that was childless to make me the child of their adoption so i abode with them during the period of infancy and childhood caressed and cared for as is said the flower a stranger's hand may gather strikes root into the stranger's breast affection is our mother father friend and of cherishers the best and i loved them as their own child witting not but that i was their child till on a day when i played among some children of my years the daughter of the king of Olb passed by us on a mule with her slaves and drawn swords and called to me thou little castaway and had me brought to her and peered upon my face in a manner that frightened me for i was young then she put me down from the neck of her mule where she had seated me saying child of a dead mother and a runaway father what need i fear from thy like and the dreams of a lovesick genie so she parted but i forgot not her words and dwelt upon them and grew fevered with them and drooped now when i saw my bloom of health gone heaviness on my feet the light hollowed from my eyes my benefactor ravaloki he that i thought to my father took me between his knees and asked me what it was and the cause of my ailing and i told him then said he this is so thou art not my child but i love thee as mine o my little desert flower and why the princess should fancy fear of thee i like not to think but fear thou her for she is a mask of wiles and a vine trailing over pitfalls such a sorceress the world knoweth not as gorgelka of old now i was penetrated by what he said and ceased to be a companion to them that love childish games and romps and meditated by myself in gardens and closets feigning sleep when the elder ones discoursed that i might learn something of this mystery and all that was spoken perplexed me more as a sage declareth who in a labyrinth wandereth without clue more that he wandereth doth he undo though i was quick as a quick-eyed falcon i discovered not flying ever at the false game a follower of misleading beams a cheated soul the mock of dreams at times i thought it was the king of all was my father and plotted to come in his path and there were kings and princes of far countries who i sought to encounter 
that they might claim me, but none claimed me. Oh, my betrothed, few gave me love besides Ravaloki, and when the wife that he cherished died, he solely, for I was lost in waywardness, and the slave of moody imaginings. Tis said, if thou the love of the world for thyself wouldst gain, mould thy breast, like the world to become, for it's like the world loveth best. And this was not I then. Now the sons and daughters of men are used to celebrate the days of their birth with gifts and rejoicings, but I could only celebrate that day which delivered me from the death into the hands of Ravaloki, as none knew my birth hour. And when it was the twelfth return of this event, Ravaloki, my heart's father, called me to him, and pressed in my hand a glittering coin, telling me to buy with it in the bazaars what I would. So I went forth attended by a black slave after the mid-noon, for I was eager to expend my store, and cared not for the great heat. Scarcely had we passed the cheese market, and were hurrying on to shops of the goldsmiths and jewellers, when I saw an old man, a beggar, in a dirty yellow turban, and piece particolored cloth stuff, and linen and rags in his other gear. So lean was he, and looked so weak, that I wondered he did not other than lay his length on the ground, and as he asked me for alms, his voice had a piteousness that made me to weep, and I punished my slave for seeking to drive him away, and gave him my one piece of gold into his hand. Then he asked me what I required of him in exchange, and I said, What can a poor man that is a beggar give? He laughed, and asked me then what I had intended to buy with that piece of money. So beginning to regret the power that was gone from me of commanding with my gold piece, this and that fine thing, I mused, and said, Truly a blue dress embroidered with gold and a gold crown, and gold bracelets set with turquoise stones, these and toys. What could I buy in this city a book of magic? That were my purchase. The old fellow smiled and said to my black slave, And thou, hadst thou this coin, what were thy purchase therewith? He, scoffing the old beggar, answered, A plaster for swords as broad as my buck and a camel's hump, thou old villain. The old man grunted in his chest and said, thou art but a camel thyself to hinder a true mussulman from passing in peace down a street of all so twere a good purchase and a fitting knowest thou what is said of the blessing given by them that receiveth a charity tis the fertilizing dew that streameth after the sun strong as the breath of allah to bless life well begun so is my blessing on this little damsel she shall have her wealth well lay thou black face thou and thine this spake the old man, and hobbled off while my slave was jeering him. So I strolled to the bazaars, and thought no more of the old man's words, and longed to purchase a hundred fineries, and came to the confectioner's, and smelt the smell of his musk-scented sweetmeats, and lemon-sweets, and sugared pistachios that are delicious to crunch between the teeth. My mouth watered, and I said to my slave, Oh, Cobdrop, a coin, though twere small, would give us privilege in yonder shop to select and feast and approved the skill of the confectioner he grinned and displayed in his black fist the petty coin of exchange but would not let me have it till i had sworn to give no more away to beggars so even as we were hurrying into the shop another old beggar wretcheder than the first fronted me and i was moved and forgot my promise to kabdrab and gave him the money then was kabdrab wroth and kicked the old beggar with his forefoot lifting him high into the air and lo he did not alight but rose over the roofs of the houses and beyond the city till he was but a speck in the blue of the sky above so kabdra bit his forefinger amazed and glanced at his foot and at what was visible of the old beggarman and again at his foot thinking but of what he had done with it 
and it might have manifested in that kick fool that he was all the way homeward he kept scanning the sky and lifting his foot aloft and i saw him bewildered with a strange conceit as the poet has exclaimed in his scorn o world diseased o race empirical where fools are the fathers of every miracle now when i was in my bedchamber what saw i there but a dress of very costly blue raiment with gold-work broidery and a lovely circlet of gold and gold bracelets set with stones of turquoise and a basket of gold woven wire wherein were toys wondrous ones soldiers that cut off each other's heads and put them on again springing antelopes palm-trees that turned into fountains and others and lo a book in red binding with figures on it and clasps of gold a great book so i clapped my hands joyfully crying the old beggar has done it and robed myself in the dress and ran forth to tell Ravaloki. as i ran by a window looking on the inner court i saw below a crowd of all the slaves of Ravaloki, round one that was seeking to escape from them and twas kapdrab with a camel's hump on his back and a broad brown plaster over it the wretch howling peering across his shoulder and trying to bolt from his burden as a horse would run from his rider then i saw that kabdrab also had his wish his camel's hump and thought the old beggar what was he but a genie surely ravaloki caressed me when he heard of the adventure and what had befallen kabdrab was a jest of the city but for me i spared little time away from that book and studied in it incessantly the ways and windings of magic till i could hold communion with genie and willed charms to summon them and utter spells that subdue them discovering the haunts of talismans that enthrall Aphrites, and are powerful among men. There was that Kabdarab coming to me daily to call out of the air for the old beggarman, to rid him of his hump, and he would waste hours looking up into the sky moodily for him, and cursing the five toes of his foot, for he doubted not the two beggars were one, and that he was punished for the kick, and lamented it direly, saying in the thick of his whimperings, I'd give the foot that did it to be released for my hump, O oh, my fair mistress. So I pitied him, and made a power and a spell, and my first experiment in magic was to relieve Kaptrab of his hump, and I succeeded in loosening it, and it came away from him and sank into the ground of the garden where we stood. So I told Kaptrab to say nothing of this, but the idle painted fellow blabbed it over the city, and it came to the ears of Gorgelka, and she sent for me to visit her, and by the advice of Ravaloki I went, and she fondled me, and sought to get at the depth of my knowledge by a spell that tieth every faculty save the tongue and it is a spell of vain longing now because i baffled her arts she knew me more cunning than i seemed and as night advanced she affected to be possessed with pleasure in me and took me in her arms and sought to fascinate me and i heard her mutter once shall i doubt the warning of Karatz? so presently she came and said come with me and i went with her under the curtain of that apartment to another a long saloon wherein were couches round a fountain and beyond it a knavery lit with lamps when we were there she whistled and immediately there was a concert of birds a wondrous accord of exquisite piping and she leaned on a couch and took me by her to listen sweet and passionate was the harmony of the birds but i let not my faculties lull and observed that round the throat of every bird was a ringed mark of gold and stamps of divers gems similar in colour to a ring on the finger of her right hand which she dazzled my sight with as she flashed it when we had listened a long hour to this music the princess gazed on me as if to mark the effect of a charm and i saw disappointment on her lovely face and she bit her lip and looked spiteful saying 
thou art fair gone in the use of magic and weary old girl and she laughed unnaturally and called slaves to bring in sweet drinks to us and i drank with her and became less weary and she fondled me more calling me tender names heaping endearments on me and as the hour of the middle night approached i was losing all suspicion in deep languor and sighed at the song of the birds the long love songs and dozed awake with eyes half shut i felt her steal from me and continued still motionless without alarm so i was mastered what hour it was or what time had passed i cannot say when a bird that was chained on a perch before me a very quaint bird with a top-knot awry and black heavy bill and ragged gorgeousness of plumage the only object between my lids and darkness suddenly in the midst of the singing let loose a hoarse laugh that was followed by peals of laughter from the other birds thereat i started up and beheld the princess standing over a brazier and she seized a slipper from her foot and flung it at the bird that had first laughed and struck him off his perch and went to him and seized him and shook him crying dare to laugh again he kept clearing his throat and trying to catch the tune he had lost pitching a high note and a low note but the marvel of this laughter of the bird wakened me thoroughly and i thanked the bird in my soul and i said to golgelka more wondrous than their singing this laughter o princess she would not speak till she had beaten every bird in the aviary and then said in the words of the poet shall they that deal in magic batch decrees of wonder from the bosom of one cloud comes the lightning and the thunder and then said she o norna i tell thee truly my intent which was to enchant thee but i find thee wise so let us join our powers and thou shalt become mighty as the sorceress now ravaloki had said to me her friendship is fire her enmity frost so be cold to the former and to the latter hot and i dissembled and replied teach me o princess so she asked me what i could do could i plant a mountain in the sea and people it could i anchor a purple cloud under the sun and live there a year with them i delighted in could i fix the eyes of the world upon one head and make the nations bow to it change men to birds fishes to men and so on a hundred sorceries that i had never attempted and dreamed not of my betrothed i had never offended allah by misuse of my powers when i told her she cried thou art then of a surety she that's fitted for the custody of the lily of light so come with me now i had heard of the lily even this thou holdest may its influence be unwithering and desired to see it so she led me from the palace to the shores of the sea and flung a cockle-shell on the waters and seated herself in it with me in her lap and we scudded over the waters and entered this enchanted sea and stood by the lily then i that loved flowers undertook the custody of this one knowing not the consequences and depths of her wiles tis truly said the overwise themselves hoodwink for simple eyesight is a modest thing they on the black abasin brink smile but when they fall bitterly think what difference twixt the fool and me creation's king nevertheless for a while nothing evil resulted and i had great joy in the flower and tended it with exceeding watchfulness and loved it so i was brought in my heart to thank the princess and think well of her End of part one of chapter eleven